Welcome back to Antioch Community Church. I'm glad that you're here today. Um, today, we're uh, on the second week of a series going from the resurrection in Luke 24 to the day of Pentecost in Acts 2. And some really important things happen in here. Uh, now, Danny Pierce preached last week and he brought the word uh, talking about how the empty grave was the proof that Jesus had victory over death. And we're picking it up right after that story today in Luke 24, verses 13 through 53. I want to encourage you to get your physical Bible. Uh, you're going to need it for something in a minute in this sermon. Uh, but get your physical Bible, turn it open again to Luke 24, verses 13 through 53. Now, why are we doing a series that goes from Luke 24, right after the resurrection of Jesus, through to uh, Pentecost in Acts chapter 2? Well, number one, uh, it's good to read the Bible chronologically, okay? It makes so much more sense when we're not flipping through uh, reading some random passages all the time. The Bible makes a lot of sense read chronologically. And number two... There are some significant parallels between the time between the resurrection and Pentecost and what we're living through right now. Okay? Now, I'm going to say some things about that time, and you can think in your head whether they're parallels or not. Number one, the, the disciples during this whole time period are hidden inside because they're afraid of persecution from the Sanhedrin. Number two, it's a time of major doubt and confusion. People are not sure what the rules of the game are. Number two, uh, number three, they have a worldwide vision and massive goals, but they have no power to accomplish them. And number three, they have, um, they have this, uh, this mandate from Jesus to wait. Don't take action until I have given you power. Now that power is for us today right now, but for, but for those disciples in that moment, they had to wait for the thing that God was doing. And because of the way that they gave themselves to, to seeking Jesus, to prayer, to studying the scriptures, when the Spirit was poured out in Acts 2, they were ready for what God was doing. And in the midst of all this complexity and confusion, God's doing a similar thing. He's taking us to the scriptures. He's taking us to himself. He's revealing who he is. He's bringing us to prayer. And he's going to pour out his spirit on his people in this time of quiet narrowness. All right. Now let's take a look here. Uh, Luke chapter 24, verses 13 through 53. Uh, this is in the NIV. Now there the... They're traveling on the road to Emmaus for context. It's about seven and a half miles-ish. You can imagine it being approximately as the crow flies from the Edison Gymnasium, where church normally is, to, to Logan Airport. So it's a real serious walk, okay? All right, it says, Now on the same day, two of them were going to a village called Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. They were walking, with, talking with each other about everything that had happened. And they talked and discussed these things with each other. Jesus came up and walked along with them, but they were kept from recognizing him. He asked them, what are you discussing together as you walk along? They stood still, their faces downcast. One of them named Cleopas asked him, are you the only one visiting Jerusalem who does not know the things that have happened here in these days? What things, he asked. 
About Jesus of Nazareth, they replied, he was a prophet, powerful in word and deed before God and all the people. The chief priests and our rulers handed him over to be sentenced to death, and they crucified him. But we had hoped that he was the one who was going to redeem Israel. And what is more, it is the third day since this took place. In addition, some of the women amazed us. They went to the tomb early this morning, but didn't find his body. They came and told us that they had seen a vision of angels who said that he was alive. And then some of our companions went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said, but they did not see Jesus. He said to them, how foolish you are and how slow to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Did not the Messiah have to suffer these things and then enter his glory? And beginning with Moses and the prophets, he explained to them what was said in the scriptures concerning himself. As they approached the village to which they were going, Jesus continued on as if he were going farther. But they urged him strongly, stay with us, for it is nearly evening. The day is almost over. So, they went, so he went in to stay with them. And when he was at the table with them, he took bread, gave thanks, broke it, and began to give it to them. And their eyes were opened and they recognized him. And he disappeared from their sight. And they asked each other, were not our hearts burning within us while he talked with us on the road and opened the scriptures to us? Woo! I love this passage. All right, let's take a look through the text here. It says, while they were talking along the way. Now, the word here in Greek, uh, it's not just a chit-chat. I mean, they're really getting into it, talking along the way when Jesus walks up to them. And logically and from context, the thing they're almost definitely talking about is why did Jesus die? I mean, they, they trusted everything in Jesus. You can imagine the disappointment that they have. They're discussing why did Jesus have to suffer? Why did he have to die? All the assumptions of their following Jesus have been turned upside down. These were disciples of Jesus. They'd followed him through the whole thing. They weren't part of the 12 disciples, but part of this bigger crowd. And they're just sort of wandering away from Jerusalem. They don't know where to go. They don't know what to do. All right. Now, it says that Jesus was hidden from them. That's an interesting thing. It, it seems to be kind of a supernatural hiddenness where they can't recognize Jesus. Now, what is the deal with that? Okay, I've been thinking about this, and, and I, I want to propose that it's something like this. If you were Jesus, now this is not always a great way to understand Jesus, but if you were Jesus and you just came back from the dead, how are you feeling? You're feeling amazing. <laughs> just like Danny said, you just overcame death. You can, you can imagine that feels pretty darn good. All right, so Jesus has something excellent to share. He's got to be excited, right? And so the emotion at this moment seems to me to be like, like when you're planning someone's surprise birthday party, right? You're not showing any of your cards, but inside you are so excited. And look what Jesus does here a little bit further. He's like, he walks up to them. He's like, they, they say, are you the only one who doesn't know about this? He's like, what things? I mean, give me a break, Jesus. Like Jesus is clearly having fun with these guys, right? He, he's hidden himself, uh, and it's, it's like a surprise birthday. It's not like when Ben Affleck puts on like a black baseball cap and sunglasses to go get ice cream so no one will try to ask for his autograph. It's not like that. It's more like the surprise birthday party, okay? What things? All right, and, and Jesus says, 
How foolish and slow to believe. There's some aspect of this where Jesus was expecting and hoping to find faith, even in the midst of their confusion. All right, now let's get into the real thing that Jesus is doing here. Jesus wants them to understand the answer to the question they're asking. Why did Jesus suffer? Why did he die? What does it mean? Because he could have just skipped ahead to them understanding that he came back from the dead. He'd be like, it's me. And, and then how do you like me now? <laughs> I'm alive. It would have been like mic drop over, right? Uh, they would have understood that Jesus came back. But before he shows who he is, he wants them to understand why he suffered and died from the scriptures. Check it out. Um, Jesus wants to engage us in the same way. Jesus wants to engage us in the same way. He wants us to be a part of a process of engaging with him in the, in the scriptures. If we experience disillusionment and discouragement, Jesus wants to bring us to the scriptures to find answers and clarity about who we are, what we're doing, and how this works. And he didn't just give them homework and say, read this and fill out this worksheet, you know. Jesus came close to them to do it that way. He didn't just give them a pick-me-up speech. He studied the Bible with them. All right, so they're walking seven miles, right? So Jesus has got about three hours, unless they're walking really fast. Jesus has got about three hours to discuss the entire Old Testament. Ugh! Don't you wish you could know what he said? Oh my goodness, every Bible nerd has got to be dying to know what did Jesus teach them? Well, I can tell you that we do know that the early church had a well-developed Christology, a, a well-developed understanding of who Jesus was from the Bible. Okay? And some of that is that the Holy Spirit that Jesus promised one of his jobs that Jesus talked about was that he would cause us to understand the truth about Jesus from the scriptures. And number two, Jesus himself, when he was alive, spent time teaching the Bible. That was a lot, big part of his ministry, interpreting and teaching the Bible. And when Jesus dies and comes back to life, guess what he's still doing? He's teaching the Bible, right? Because we like healer Jesus. We like preacher Jesus. We like shepherd Jesus. But hey guys, here's Bible teacher Jesus, okay? Jesus was all about the word of God. All right, now this is a Bible. And I might get excited and start thumping this thing around out here because, because we're gonna get into something powerful here. Look at the way that they responded. It says, did not our hearts burn within us as he opened the scriptures to us. And that burning, that's the, it's the same word that's used to describe the, the lamp that you never put under a table, that you never put under a bowl. It's a brightness. All right, so number one, they didn't open a Bible like this nice leather bonded one with the red letters inside for Jesus, okay? It wasn't like this. It was probably a scroll if they had anything written down at all during this, during this walk. And when it says, when he opened up the word, 
It's talking about how he opened up their understanding and he opened up their spirit to encounter Jesus emotionally and spiritually in the Bible. Because, I mean, that's the Christianese conversation I want to have with somebody this week. Hey, brother, how is your walk with Jesus going? Let me tell you about my walk with Jesus. I just walked seven and a half miles with him, and for three hours, he unpacked the Old Testament scriptures to me. And now, my heart is like a bonfire. My heart is like a bonfire in me. That's the kind of life I want to have in the scriptures. Because we're just like these guys on the road. We're confused, we're tired, we're disillusioned. Now, if we want to encounter God in that kind of a place, two things are required. Number one, time and space. You can't read the Bible without reading the Bible, okay? There's no shortcut, except maybe the James Earl Jones audio Bible, which is amazing. You've got to have time and space to expose yourself to the Word of God. You can pick a small piece of it and do it over and over and over again. You can pick a big piece of it and march through it hours at a time. You can fall asleep listening to it, but you need time and space to actually get into the Word. And number two, you need to actually read it, right? So number two, you need to read it with Jesus. Reading it in a kind of spiritual dialogue with the Holy Spirit, right? Because it is possible to read the Bible and have a cold, dead heart. I mean, the Pharisees were Bible nerds, too. I mean, they were the Bible experts of their day. They killed Jesus. Reading it is not enough. We need to read it with a kind of, uh, of spiritual dialogue and connection where we ask God to help us feel the feelings of it and understand the meaning of it the way that he wants us to understand it. All right, and so I want you guys uh, to pick up your Bible. If you don't have it, you can pause the video here for a minute. I want you to pause, <laughs> pause the video and unpause it when you got your Bible in your hands. All right, pray this prayer with me. Jesus, I want to have a burning heart. Will you open up these scriptures to my heart? Amen. All right, and so our response question today is so simple. What does Jesus want to do to open up the scripture to me, to give me understanding, to engage with me in reading the Word during the COVID-19 crisis? All right, and uh, I do want to just tell one quick story to try and engage with you at a personal level um, when I think about the confusion and disorientation of this time and the, and the sort of inwardness and the inside the house all the timeness of it, it brought me back to when I had newborn children. And um, if you have friends with a newborn, don't ask your friend with a newborn how their prayer life is going. Don't ask them how their Bible reading time is going. You read the Bible and you pray for them. <laughs> having, a, having a newborn is for real. I remember I was asking some, some older guys when I was getting ready to be a, a dad, uh, like, hey, what's it like having kids? And I remember some of them were like, war is hell, son. <laughs> and yet they love their children, right? Uh, having a newborn is tough. And you're just, often you're just awake all night. 
It's a very narrow time, a confusing time. And I can remember um, with one of my kids, uh, I tacked up this huge printout uh, of these chapters in Isaiah, just chapters and chapters, and they were tacked up all along the wall. And when, I, when, when it was my turn to be with the baby at night, I'm, I'm trying to get this baby to sleep. Baby's not going to sleep. All I had capacity for spiritually was to, was to just wander around with this baby, wearing a hole in the rug, and reading these chapters of Isaiah out loud. And, uh, and I did that for weeks. Like, I, it's not just like you push a button and then suddenly you have this amazing experience inside with the scriptures for weeks. And then finally, God began to breathe on my heart as I would read them. And I had this incredible experience of feeling alive inside. That these scriptures came alive inwardly for me. That's what this passage has been talking about. And I don't want to be too corny here, but it, it's kind of like the electric stove that I hate in the apartment I'm renting right now. I love my apartment, just don't like this stuff. And the reason I don't like it is because you turn it on, you're like, is this thing even on? And then five minutes later, your grilled cheese is setting off the smoke alarm, okay? We give ourselves to the Bible, to reading scripture, and dialoguing with God in our emotions, in our spirit, and talking with the Holy Spirit about it. And when we do that, your grilled cheese is gonna catch on fire. One more time, our response question today, what does Jesus want to do to engage my heart in the scriptures during the COVID-19 crisis? Have a great day, Antioch.